Hi, welcome to Same Old Story. This is a podcast where two lifelong friends talk about movie remakes. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Rhiannon. We watch two movies with the same story and we go over and compare and contrast and what worked with the movies and what didn't work, what was reflective of the time, and ultimately if it was worth going through a remake or if it came out half-baked. Let's get to it. Hello, Rhiannon. Hey, Beck. How are you? I am so, I'm great. I'm so excited about uh, tonight's episode. This yes. episode, tonight, today, whenever, <laughs> whatever, to listen to it. Time is a strange, wavy thing in podcast land. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm really excited about this and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because what you and I know mm-hmm. that other people don't know mm-hmm. until I tell them mm-hmm. is that this is the third time <laughs> that we've recorded this movie because i've had terrible technical issues on my end it's i mean i'm gonna go ahead and say it's been humiliating (laughs) i I wouldn't say that (laughs) well it's in front of me i feel so bad about it because i know but like we put so much effort into all of these episodes and i know that there's always you know more than meets the eye and and I want to make this seem as um, easy and effortless as possible, but this was just a really challenging one because the the first time we recorded it, I lost the file on my son's computer, which is running on Linux, and I don't know anything about Linux, and so I lost it forever. And we were like, okay, that's cool. Like, we're going to regroup. We're going to try this again. So then we recorded it a second time. And I had actually done, like, test recordings before we got started. Mm-hmm. But then the same thing happened at the end. Like, it just disappeared out of the blue when I tried to download it to the Linux desktop. This is so, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, my son was, like, so sweet. And he bought me a podcast microphone for Christmas. So now we actually – we're working. We're back up. We're – we're talking about movies again, so this I is just going to be a great episode. I love what a great son you have. What a great son. Good good mm-hmm. gift. Good gift, son. For sure. And it's also been practiced. <laughs> For all intents and purposes. <laughs> I'm doing the front page, which was the uh, originally a Broadway play. Uh, made in 1931 and then later remade in 1940 uh, called His Girl Friday. But mine is uh, the front page from 1931. So we start off with a story about Hildy Johnson, who is a star newspaper reporter. He's getting engaged to Peggy Grant and he's telling her that he can't wait to run away with her and run away from his boss Mr. Burns and as he's telling her all the great things that are going to happen he runs out to go out and go quit his job run away with his bride Peggy he's going to start his new life and then he runs into Mr. Burns in a bar (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and this I believe this was at during prohibition would that be correct I, feel I like don't it know. Was. It the play was based in 1928. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm not really sure when. Wait, hold on. I just kind of realized that. (laughs) Okay. Alexa, when did Prohibition end? Alexa's not speedy. Yeah, 1932. Okay, so just put that together. And the movie, yeah, the movie was made in 31. Mm -hmm. Wow, that kind of puts a whole different spin on this, doesn't it? It really does. (laughs) So I guess they were in a speedy. I feel so professional right now. (laughs) We're doing live fact checking. Okay. okay, go ahead. Okay, I, I've been watching a lot of Peaky Blinders lately, so I've been I've been thinking about Prohibition. Okay, so <laughs> they're drinking Peaky Blinders whiskey. They're not. They are, they're in a speakeasy. <laughs> Mr. Burns and Hildy Johnson, star reporter, uh, are are in a speakeasy, and they're talking, and Mr. Burns, <laughs> Hildy Johnson is telling him how he can't wait to leave. He's a terrible boss. He's going to go out and he's going to um, leave the newspaper business altogether. And Mr. Burns is like, no, you're not. You are your reporter at heart. You're my reporter. You're under my thumb and you always will be. And Hildy says, oh, no. And and then he tries to kind of talk about, oh, you think that you're going to settle down and have the married life. That's not for guys like you. Mm-hmm. So what Hildy does, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he excuses himself to the restroom and then goes and climbs out the window because he can feel Mr. Burns getting his <laughs> his tentacles into him and starting to turn him. So he bravely <laughs> just abandons his boss, climbs out the bathroom window, and then runs back to Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that they're going to leave again and he he goes by to say goodbye to the boys. So the boys are other reporters from other newspapers that are all in around waiting for um a man to be hanged. There has been a a cop that has been shot uh after this man uh attended a uh like a they say a political rally but it's it's pretty clear that it's a communist rally he's gotten into his mind that he needs to become a a red and he uh he's shot a cop in a fit of panic and um and now uh he's going to be hanged what's putting political pressure is that uh the mayor and the sheriff are up for re-election and uh there's a segment mentioned as the the african-american segment mentioned very uh indelicately as the colored vote in the um in the movie and so there's pressure for this guy to be hanged and there's a the story is that he's he seems to be crazy they're trying to figure out if he's uh if he's mentally unstable and doesn't deserve to be uh killed because he wasn't in his right mind in the first place and the newspaper reporters are all kind of collectively agree that that's you know he probably is off his rocker but they're just there to report the story they're a hard-boiled couple of guys and they all have they all sit around and they play cards and they play the banjo and um (laughs) (laughs) they really do it sounds outlandish to hear you say that but that guy really like walks around with a banjo banjo. in this movie (laughs) they play play music um and so there's uh there's a strong relationship with these guys and then there's they're all a cast of characters and then there's a a woman who comes in um 
Molly, who is a streetwalker, and she's uh, mm-hmm. she's our Molly she, Malloy. Molly Malloy, who is our hooker with a heart of gold, and they not the newspaper reporters when she comes in to confront them saying that they've written a lot of salacious lies about him and especially and about her alluding to a relationship with the two of them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case at all and he's just a poor little man and the reporters just go at her in a really they are Awful. It, yeah, they're awful. They're like physically pushing her and verbally making like really serious threats. Yeah, yeah. And this seems actually quite normal. Right. Yeah. So nobody's like, people. hey, Even this is for insane her. for you to be <laughs> throwing a woman around. Yeah. Nope. They just, you know, and she starts getting emotional. And so they start like physically throwing her out and then. They throw her out uh, after she's chastised them, and then you can hear her sobbing outside, and they all feel kind of bad about it, and they kind of exchange looks, and then they, you know, move on with life. No one's in the mood for playing poker now. No, nobody wants to play cards, and she's just brought the room down (laughs) with her pleas for this guy to uh, keep his life. So, um, the... The sheriff is going to, is portrayed uh, as this, you know, uh, bumbling idiot. <laughs> and he has one more psychiatrist that, uh, that our, our murderer friend is going to, um, is going to see. And the psychiatrist puts a gun in his hand, hand given, given to him by the sheriff. And he says, you know, show me what you did. And so he points the gun at the psychiatrist and shoots him. And then everything goes crazy. Uh, he starts the <laughs> our murderer runs away, and every the, everything goes bananas. There's a jailbreak. The sheriff's got to hide that it was actually his gun, and he gave the gun to this guy. And told him to shoot the psychiatrist, <laughs> and the newspaper guys—they were real idiots. <laughs> they go crazy, and Hildy is right there, and just as he's about to leave he his reporter instinct kicks in and he decides that he's gonna he's on the story so um he jumps on the story uh they're running around trying to find out who's got what and eventually uh our 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 escape artist our little escapee has run in to through the window and he mm-hmm. runs in and he sees uh, Molly Malloy and she says, you know, they're after you. They hide him inside of a desk and of the reporters. Desk, which was inspired by a true life story. A true life story. There really was a reporter who hid a guy who was on a jailbreak inside of a roll top desk so he could get the story. Which is yes. a great story. <laughs> in Chicago. Because this is about, the the play from 1928 was based off of some real life Chicago journalists. Even though at the beginning of the movie, there's a slide that says, this story is laid in a mythical kingdom. <laughs> it literally says this play is, this is fiction. Yeah. And, and yet, look at all of these similarities. <laughs> so, uh, as the all the reporters are in, uh, they come back inside, and we've got our guy hidden in the desk. 
and they all start filing their stories. And their stories are just, they're radically different. It's clear that these guys like just to tell a story and they'll take whatever little kernels that they possibly can and then go off onto like some crazy tangent. Um, and right. It's like they're all, uh, anglers, fishing, fishermen. Yeah. (laughs) Telling fish tales. Uh, and as they they start they start to become suspicious about uh, where the where the murderer might be. Um, Molly causes a distraction because she's worried that they're going to start going towards the roll top desk. So she starts yelling, and they start you know they their focus <laughs> moves towards them. She gets up on the on a ledge outside of this giant window that's in the room. And then she jumps yes. out the window, which is very she shocking. Jumps out the window, you don't it expect is, it's that. Jolting. <laughs> no, there's like all, there's like the sense of a caper going on, right? right. They they talk so fast, you have to have subtitles on yes. to keep up with it. So if you're going to watch this film, and I don't really recommend it, <laughs> just <laughs> let us have done the dirty work for you. <laughs> but if you're going to watch this film. Turn the subtitles on from the beginning. You'll be glad you did. Yeah. Because they talk so fast. And so because of that speed, it feels like a caper. It feels like a, hey, I got a guy, you see? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's an un-American red. Yeah. I got a name here. A lot of wise guys ain't you, you know. <laughs> I've got to see an alienist. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. So. The distraction has has happened. The reporters don't notice that she's. Uh, yes. They they see that she's uh, jumped out, and they they feel kind of bad. But they're like, oh well, that was a crazy thing, you know. Um, very dismissive. Uh, so they've managed to get. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, but before you continue, I just want to interject here that before she jumped out the window, before they hit him in the desk. Earl and Molly have this really beautiful, poetic dialogue about humanity. And it wasn't romantic, except in the sense that they still held out a little hope for humanity, regardless of how terrible it's been to both of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it was the best part of the movie. And I just wanted to mention it. Also, I thought that the the actor that played Earl looked a lot like Rob Schneider. (laughs) (laughs) He really did. I, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't, uh, I'll put it on the gram. Okay. All right. Thanks. Um, so yeah, so they, they managed to, um, sneak him out of the, uh, or try to try to sneak him out of the uh, out of the office. Um, it comes to light that it was actually the sheriff that had uh, the gun and or that had given him the gun, and the sheriff and the mayor uh, have their plan to uh, hang Earl has been undone, and um, the story Hildes filed the story, um, and. Mr. Burns comes back and says, you know, like, I guess maybe it's time for you to, to move on. You've, you know, you've, you've earned your place at Albany and I'll always, you know, 
think of you as a great reporter, but maybe it's time for you to leave now. And he gives him his watch. And then he gives Peggy a kiss on the cheek and, you know, sends them off to Albany. And then he makes a call directly to Albany uh, Police Department saying that um, Hildy Johnson has been, Mm -hmm. uh, is out with his, (laughs) has taken his watch. He should be coming off the train at such and such time and please arrest him and bring him back to New York. And so Hildy's not going to read be released from the clutches of Mr. Burns, and that's how it ends. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I think you summed that up really well. Yeah, it was um, a it's a little spotty, <laughs> but well, I, you know what? I, it would have been a lot longer for me because when I watch the movies, I do these scene by scene breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I would have just been reading like a lot of things because doesn't it seem like a lot of things happen in this movie yes in this story so as you said it is such a fast movie and the subtitles are truly key um as you had watched the movie before i did and i'm so glad you told me to turn the subtitles on because i would not have been able to understand it they talk so quickly and it's also from 1930 so the Mm -hmm. sound recording isn't you know top notch um yeah, and, like everything was stacked against them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there and there is so much story packed in. You've got the ultimately it's the story about uh, Mr. Burns and um, and Hildy Johnson. Hildy, and I'm just I want to read what uh, what uh, Mr. Burns says how he how he introduces his relationship with Hildy. Um, he says. <laughs> I'm after that bunch of lily-livered, pockmarked peanut politicians who think they're running this town, <laughs> and Hildy Johnson is the only one I can trust. <laughs> so that's the dialogue. I love that quote. <laughs> that and that's that is the... exactly what this whole movie sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I and I wrote down a similar one that Mr. Burns said when he was walking away, and he had like his arm around Hildy's neck, like almost kind of brotherly, you uh-huh. know. And he says, 15 years we've been knocking around together, and that's before you were born. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird. (laughs) Oh, man. There were a lot of great lines that I wrote down. Now listen here, tramp. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to lay down on you and spit in your eye, you murderer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was when the tension was at an all-time high between Mr. Burns and Hildy. Yeah, what's also interesting because is Because Mr. Burns kind of let on that he had Peggy's mother killed. Yes, that's right, because Peggy's mother came in and was trying to stop things, and he was, Peggy's mother was just going to get in the way of Hildy getting the story. So he had right. Louie, his uh, hitman, or his, I don't know, his tough, yes. I guess. Um out his, there to... his muscle and he said take this lady to Polak Mike's <laughs> so insulting I bet there's a lot more to Mike than just his Polish ancestry okay <laughs> I have some fun facts okay uh, continuing a practice common to silent films which would have been the mid 1890s to the late 1920s era mm-hmm. um, and this film was made in 31 so this was you know very conventional for the time the film was shot with three cameras at the same time. 
and this created three different sets of negatives. The first and the best set was used for the United States version, the second for the UK version, and then the last one for general international. So I think if you lived in like Malaysia or Zimbabwe, like how long it would take you to see one of these movies if you got to see it at all. <laughs> and nowadays we can see any movie from anywhere in the world as soon as it's been uploaded to the internet. Yep. That's incredible, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, on the walls of the newspaper room, there are topless photos of female models. This movie is pre-code, meaning pre-production code, which was implemented a few years later. And what is pre-code for those of us who don't already know? Um, because, Rhiannon, you've mentioned that code before, and I've been like, that what? Well, <laughs> for everyone who's like me, the Motion Picture Production Code was a list of what was acceptable and unacceptable content from 1934 to 1954. But there was something before that called the MPPDA, which stood for Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America. It's so many words and letters. It's just silly. But that was the uh, trade association for major companies in the industry for the 20s and 30s. So there's just there's just always going to be a governing body. It's not like film was the Wild West before the pre-code. Yeah, the um, it was there. They do get away with like some really interesting things. So not only do they show them drinking, which is against the law, um, and apparently also have like those nude photos, which you can't really see, but it was uh, a little joke amongst the people there. Um, yeah, they also have a reporter give a police officer the bird. Like they, he just you know gives him yeah. a finger and just a like, double bird. Yeah, and just <laughs> it's like it's real quick. But I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Look at that gesture being used in the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. Just to the mayor, right? Or the sheriff. Yeah, I don't I actually don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's the sheriff. I think it's like a police officer. So I think yeah, the sheriff makes yeah, sense because maybe. they they thought very little of the sheriff. So this movie was under the guidelines of that MPPDA and one of the things that um, was sort of because of that was that the portrayal of a toilet on the screen was um, against their standards. Mm -hmm. So that's why in the scene where the guy's like standing in the doorway of the bathroom, there's a can hanging <laughs> from the doorway and that's to signify the toilet. <laughs> you can see a toilet tank on the wall, you just can never see a toilet bowl. <laughs> Which is wild. But okay. Which And that <laughs> scene was in the bar bathroom, actually. Mm -hmm. Not the newsroom. It was in the bar bathroom. So that would have been also in the bathroom of a bar during Prohibition. I don't understand what's allowed and what's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Seems pretty happenstance. Well, should we talk about should we talk about His Girl Friday? Yes, let's do that. His Girl Friday, 1940, one hour, 36 minutes, just above my threshold to pay attention. 
This is Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. And it begins with a disclaimer that it takes place during the, quote, dark ages of journalism when anything short of murder was acceptable to get the scoop. And then the first thing you see is Hildy Johnson, who's now played by a woman. And she Mm -hmm. comes in to the shot and she's wearing this incredibly glamorous Moira Rose black and white outfit. Well, I guess it looked black and white because it was in black and white. Maybe it was a different color. But <laughs> it was so beautiful. Like her her hair, her hat, her outfit, her shoes, everything. She's just gorgeous. But she's um, bringing her fiancé to see her ex-husband. And she leaves her fiancé in the lobby and goes to see her ex-husband, who's played by Cary Grant, who's playing Mr. Burns. And they smoke cigarettes and they have banter. And, and it's in that banter <laughs> that, yeah, that that reveals that they were married to the newspaper business. They were married to each other. Um, they really only cared about the scoop. I don't know. <laughs> but Cary Grant's version of Mr. Burns is so totally different from the original, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You understand why a reporter would be incredibly dedicated to him and fall in love with yeah. him. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. truly the most charming man ever. Incredibly handsome. I mean, uh, ever. Okay, Incredibly so he's smart, trying to rope quick, her back in. Very clever. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop talking about Carrie Grant. <laughs> okay. Are you okay. getting hot for Carrie Grant? Yes. <laughs> While we're recording, this is so weird. <laughs> he's like all dusty bones now. <laughs> stop. Okay, Cary Grant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, much of this is similar to the original, and I'm going to. I'm just going to try to hit the high spots here. Okay. So. There is a scene, a lunch scene, that becomes very popular with Hildy, her fiancé, whose name is, what is his name? Bruce. 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 So Hildy, Bruce, and Mr. Burns are having lunch together, and Mr. Burns is just ruling the conversation. Mm -hmm. He's just making it very apparent who's the alpha and who's the beta in the situation, and then Hildy jumps in and she's like, I'm the alpha, fellas. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, so, um, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. No, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say that you can really see like the snappiness back and forth between Walter and Hildy. Like they're just like crackling with chemistry. And then poor Bruce is there on the side. And they barely acknowledge him. And he tries to keep up. And she's trying to, like, help him along in the conversation. And Mm -hmm. Walter Mm -hmm. is just running circles around them. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I'm just going to go into some of the fun facts. And then maybe that can tie back some of the movie for us. Yeah. But an estimated normal rate of verbal dialogue in a movie is 90 words per minute. In this particular movie, they were speaking at 240 words per minute. It's really fast. That's insane. (laughs) It was so fast. So again, 
perhaps you'll want to leave your subtitles on for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, oh, it's one of the first films ever to have crosstalk for a more realistic sound. Crosstalk being when, like you and I do, we talk over each other in layers. But we're still, I mean, we're still talking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of it. Some people hate it. You either love it or you hate it. How else are you going to get your point across? <laughs> I feel like how else am I going to get my words in? I feel like mm-hmm. I have a daily allotment of words and it's just, it's almost impossible to hit that number. <laughs> I have to add a lot of words. Um, that's why I love doing a podcast. So um, this film finished shooting seven days behind schedule and the delays were caused by the complexity of that rapid fire dialogue. The restaurant scene alone that we were just talking about took four days. Yeah, I can see that. The law. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And to maintain the fast pace of the the director, Howard Hawks, he encouraged the cast to add dialogue and step on each other's lines. Mm. Otherwise, how Um, would you get it all in? You wouldn't. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and actually, Rosalind Russell had a brother-in-law who worked in marketing. So a lot of times, she would let him see the script that she was about to shoot the next day and have him help her come up with one-liners that she could use against Cary Grant. (laughs) Because he apparently was really gifted at, like, improv in that sense. Good job, Um, Rosalind. Yes, yes. To capture that fast-paced dialogue, Hawks used multiple microphones and rather than the single overhead boom, which was standard for the time. And since the microphones couldn't be turned on simultaneously, they had to have a sound tech come in and switch from mic to mic on cue. And that could be up to 35 times per scene. Isn't that Mm. crazy? Yeah. Could you imagine being the person with that job? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other fun facts I have aren't really like that technical. Um, in one scene required Cary Grant to push Rosalind Russell t- on a couch and um Hawks kept asking him, you know, take after take to push her harder and push her harder. And then Grant just said, no, I don't want to kill her. And Howard Hawks said, then try killing her. (laughs) It's so crazy to try to imagine that scenario playing out in real life. But that was what it was like for women and men in Hollywood in 1940. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's. I feel like it's changed a little, but maybe <laughs> there still seems to be a little too much of that around. Well, I'm not I'm not really very in tune to what it's like now, but I know that we're finally starting to get more female directors. So mm-hmm. that's a good start. Hopefully um, less asking to kill your actors. So right right well you know and i guess like reading this like i'm appalled by it but i'm like simultaneously unsurprised because Mm -hmm. of all of the things that we've talked about like with alfred hitchcock because we've had two episodes of his with his movies and there have been just horrendous ways that he's treated his actresses on set yeah yeah so what's another uh what's your other fun fact 
Um, so with all of the improv that was going on during the shooting, the cameraman had a hard time keeping up, particularly with Rosalind Russell, because he was wanting to shoot her in a flattering manner, but on account of her sagging jowls, that required a lot of special lighting. And finally, he went and asked her makeup man, of course it was a man, to paint a dark shadow along her jawline, and voila, there was no more problem so listen i still have i I still contour and shading (laughs) (laughs) still have an issue with the sagging jowls i just rosalind russell at this time did not have sagging jowls she might have had she did a slightly rounder face than she did in how to marry or what is it how to marry a millionaire yeah um but no not not jowls not yet no (laughs) taking this very personally she was beautiful mm-hmm. but i think it's also just saying something about how like it just seems co- sort of unfair the level of nitpicking these yeah. people in hollywood do yeah for sure but anyway um so in the play and in the first film the front page hilby was played by a man And Hawks had planned on casting a man, but while they were auditioning actors, a secretary would read for Hildy, a female secretary. And Mm -hmm. Hawks loved the words coming from a woman so much that he decided to rewrite the part. Yeah. and Shall I read you the list of actresses? Oh, yes. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think it works so much more when it's a um, upfront love story. uh, Because I think the front page between... Mr. Burns and Hildy Johnson in 1931 was very clearly a latent uh, homosexual desire yes. for each other that mm-hmm. could not be to, sure. brought to fruition. So instead, it's just this weird love hate, you know, like, are we wrestling or are we embracing kind of thing? <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. And it's just, you know, it's a little difficult to, to get through. Um but, yes, so tell me who are the other uh, actresses that were up for the job. Okay, it's it's lengthy. It's uh-huh. Jean Arthur, Carol Lombard, mm-hmm. Margaret Sullivan, Ginger Rogers, Claudette Colbert, Irene Dunn. And okay. then they were like, I don't know, Rosalind, if you're free, you want to do it? <laughs> she even said that she went in to, like, the first um, audition where she just read for the part uh, right after she had been done swimming, and so her hair was still wet. Even she just I mean, didn't. She didn't think she was going to get it at all. What I love about it is she she comes off so uh, competent and smart, and just like she can absolutely match wits with Cary Grant, which that's a really tall order. Like that guy, you know, yeah. can charm the socks off of you. He's Clearly sharp. off of me. Mm-hmm. Still. You know, mm-hmm. seven yes, years later, obviously, wait, ninety years later. What you know, who your soulmate was? <laughs> I can't is... do math. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but Rosalind Russell, she absolutely held her own. Like you said, she knows how to rock a pillbox hat, which is not an easy one to pull off, but she totally mm-hmm. does. And mm-hmm. yeah, and she she delivered her dialogue and rapid fire gilmore girls fashion love (laughs) rosalind russell lover for the parts of walter burns the only other people who were asked were clark gable and bob hope okay (laughs) 
I just don't see how Bob Hope fits into this at all. <laughs> right? No. I know. No one's going... Uh, you're going to go to with Bruce to Albany <laughs> if Bob Hope is there. <laughs> you're going to be like, you know, it yes. was nice chatting with you, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Mr. Insurance Salesman. I am not yes, giving everything sure. up for you. <laughs> Clark Gable, though, yes. I can... He's got the same amount of... Uh, he's got great delivery and a, a just total charm. So I can see that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that wraps up His Girl Friday. What do you think? I do. Oh, one additional piece about his girl friday and the front page is that it was a uh, movie of its era and so there are several as we mentioned um for african americans at that time they talk about you know they <laughs> they use the word colored which is not great um but they also have a, a joke about a woman giving birth in the cab that is so I don't know, just insanely offensive. <laughs> and, um, they use yeah, the word it's, pick in any. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. And it's I really, know. it's uh, bad. That's why, yeah. and that's the main reason why I don't recommend it. it. It does not hold up to 2020 at all. It is so blatantly racist in this town where I bet people at the time thought that it was progressive, right? Because they were pandering to the black vote. Right. But it really wasn't. And it, it's it's a good example of how deeply systemic racism is in our judicious system. Mm -hmm. So. And in our just, movies. We, we, we <laughs> watched it movies. for you. <laughs> and in our movies. And we watched it for you so you don't have to watch it. <laughs> and the treatment of women. Mm -hmm. Also really bad. And actually in His Girl Friday, they show um, the newsroom and they show that it's about 40 to 50 percent women in the newsroom when actually in real life in 1940, it would have been more like 10 or 20 percent women. Hmm. I had not noticed that. Which, what was in the yeah, but in, you know, in even in 1931, when the front page was made, there were zero women, just a right. banjo. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh, so. Okay. So the last piece about this is that both the front page, uh, the front page was remade in 1974 with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Yes. Um, yeah. which we have not seen. And then in the 1980s, they did a remake of His Girl Friday and they did to um, they did it as switching channels with Kathleen Turner and Burt Reynolds and Christopher Reeve really? as Bruce. Yes. I honestly so. don't even remember you telling me this before, but you probably <laughs> did and I forgot. I told you twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Take it to the do-o meter. All right. I give His Girl Friday an English muffin. 
because mm. it's chewy, but also good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. I, what do you got? I give it uh, an apple spice donut from Dunkin' Donuts that is a day old. So it is my, that's my favorite donut. <laughs> but uh, because it still has, uh, you know, some difficult things from, uh, just like, yeah, it's, it's just pretty Another time. hella racist <laughs> in a, a few parts, but man, do they stand out. Um, it's not quite everything that I need it to be in 2020. So, so it's, it's a little stale, um, but it's still yeah. my, you know, like one of my favorite things. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Sounds great. Um, before we end, I was just wondering if you had any movie recommendations or show recommendations of things that you've been watching lately? Uh, so I mentioned earlier that I've been obsessively watching Peaky Blinders, uh, which is a story about gangsters, a family of gangsters that have come back from World War One with a lot of PTSD, and they've decided that they're just going to <laughs> sure. try to take it all while they've got a chance, and then they rise to power. And I don't know where I've been. I this film or this TV show has not been on my radar, and I became obsessed with it over the last couple of weeks. And mm. I've finished it now. It's on Netflix. Nice. I, I truly enjoyed it. If you like, um, I don't know, gangster stories and guys who are impeccably dressed, this is the show for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love good costumes on a show. Yeah. So we have been trying to record this for a while. Yeah. And what I watched <laughs> when we did the first recording and what I've watched now are different. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to just shout out some of my favorite holiday movies from the holiday season. Okay. Because we're not that far from it. So... Santa Jaws. It's on Amazon Prime. It's from 2018. I recommend it for the Horrible Horror Podcast to do next Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. This kid gets so, like, frustrated with his family, this, like, snotty teenage boy. And so he draws this comic with a special pen. And then it's about this... A terrible shark that eats his family and it comes to life and it happens it's awesome lots of blood for no reason at all lots of characters that you want to get eaten i'm just it saying it sounds like a great thing to watch with a teenager we had a blast and i actually yeah. like they were trying to get me to go into the hot tub and i was like no i have to watch my show and they all sat down and watched this movie with me <laughs> Because I wouldn't go with them in the hot tub. Okay. The next movie is also on Prime. It's called Fat Man. And it is where Mel Gibson plays Santa. And there's a government contract involved. And some conspiracies. And elves. And Christmas spirit. Yeah, I'm just not ready to forgive Mel Gibson. <laughs> Boo. I understand. <laughs> It's hard to put those things aside, but he does a good job playing a jaded Santa. Mm. Um, okay, and then finally on Hulu, we were we watched Anna and the Apocalypse, which is 
Uh, it was done on the Horrible Horror Podcast, which I now am going to officially declare our sister podcast, even though we really don't have anything to do with them, except that it's your brother. Right. But <laughs> it be our brother podcast? <laughs> okay, it just doesn't ahead. sound right. Okay. Anyway. All right. Maybe it could be like a cousin podcast. Nope. <laughs> Cousins Sibling. are like celebrities. Maybe. <laughs> sibling or sibling podcast sibling podcast yeah goes by they and them okay (laughs) maybe okay so (laughs) um Anna and the apocalypse was done by our sibling podcast horrible horror podcast and it is a christmas comedy zombie musical it just scratched all kinds of itches i had all kinds of yearnings i had for things and it was so tongue-in-cheek and outrageously bloody at times. It was wonderful. Mm. So those were the holiday movies that got me through this year. And I just wanted to give them a little shout-out. Mm. And when we record our next episode, which is our last episode of Season 1... Yep. We'll have new recommendations. And this next episode, um, it's going to be our biggest effort yet because we're going to do <laughs> King Kong, but King we're doing Kong. three versions. Three versions of, of King Kong. A long movie that's going to be more than an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, the first movie, I think, is pretty short. But by the time we get to okay. Peter Jackson's version, Holy cow. No. It's long. He likes to go on for a bit. He does. He does. Likes those spiders. I need Peter Jackson as like as like a mini series. <laughs> I have yeah. problems. You might you might have to watch it in chunks. You might have to watch it in chunks. Okay, that's fine. But I'm I'm, I'm excited looking, though. I can't I'm, wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Jessica Lang and Jeff Bridges together. So Oh, I love Jeff Bridges. Whenever mm-hmm. I think of him, I think of the dude. Mm-hmm. Yep, because he has become the dude. Or and, maybe he always was. I don't and know. I also think of Tron. <laughs> oh, maybe a little foreshadowing. Maybe. All right. So I think that wraps up His Girl Friday slash the front page. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm after that bunch of lily-livered, pockmarked peanut politicians who think they're running this town, and Hildy Johnson is the only man I can trust. 